the blast from our past network. My father gave his life so that we may have a chance to defeat this. So you've told us. If the Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? What chance do we have? The question is what choice? Run, hide, plead for mercy, scatter your forces. You give way to an enemy this evil with this much power, and you condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission. The time to fight is now. Yes. Every moment you waste is another step closer to the ashes of Jeddah. What is she proposing? Just let the girl speak. Send your best troops to Scarif. Send the rebel fleet if you have to. You need to capture the Death Star plans if there's any hope of destroying it. You're asking us to invade an Imperial installation based on nothing but hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. Welcome to our fifth entry into our Star Wars franchise walkthrough. And Dean, welcome as well, my friend. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for welcoming me. Very excited to be talking about Star Wars again. Yeah, it's fun. I'm having a great time doing it. Oh yeah, definitely. This is now the this is now the fifth one. It's weird because watching this one, I'm like, we're at Rogue One already. <laughs> you yeah, know, I it know. feels like because it's like one of the more recent ones. I've just I was just like, wow, yeah, we're already there. And then, oh no, wait, we haven't done any of the original three. <laughs> yeah, we've got a long way to go. Yeah, so there's there are so many to go. I thought we were I, when I was watching this, I thought we were almost there. I thought, oh, we're we're reaching the end. No, 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 we're barely. We're not even halfway. We're not even halfway done. The years, the years only just begun. It feels like. It, yeah, yeah. The fun has just begun. No, the the fun began back in January with the first episode. Right. True. Yeah. True. But the fun is not even close to being over. Right. We're yes. going the whole it's year. We're doing going. the whole year. Yeah. And then who knows what happens next year? Maybe we do the snake. What's that? What do you call it? The snake? Snake draft? Oh, we'll do it again. We'll do it like backwards. Snake draft. We'll do it again. We start at, start the at end nine and go, and go down to one. That might be the best idea you've ever had, Tim. Maybe. I haven't had a lot of great ideas, unfortunately. You've had a ton of great ideas, but that might be number one. I'm a big fan of Rogue One. What about you? Huge. Gigantic Huge? fan of Rogue One. Who do you think's a bigger fan, you or me? Um, I bet it's me. You think so? Yeah. I know you. So I know for sure you used to be a bigger fan than me of Rogue One. You were the one who kind of sold me on Rogue One being so good. And now I am also a big fan. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, probably you. Probably you. I know how it will be proven. Oh, rankings. Yeah, it's going to be proven with our rankings. And I know I'm going to have it higher than you. Yeah, I know. I, I Well, actually, I don't know yet because, spoiler, it's not the top. <laughs> okay, well, that was rude. <laughs> Moving on. Um, 
I didn't like this movie all that much when I saw it in theaters, though. That's that was the strange thing for me, is I yeah. went to it and I was like, that was okay, and then I purchased it on Blu-ray, and watched half of it and stopped it, and I was like, this is okay, and then I went back the next time, watched the whole movie, and then I was like, this is fucking awesome, like yeah. I love this. I don't want to stop watching it. So I didn't. I actually haven't stopped watching it from that moment. That's, that was like three years ago. I haven't stopped yeah. watching it. That's what you said. You said it has been constantly playing on your TV for three years. You've never turned it off. Yeah. I had to bring in a new TV and Blu-ray player to watch and the other movies that we've covered while yeah, Rogue right. One is still playing nonstop. Yeah. As, it, as, it, as it should. Um, I, I remember... We, I think we went into theaters to see it. Um, I, I did enjoy it. I liked it, but uh, yeah, it didn't. It was sort of in the midst of the uh, the other big Star Wars movies coming out. I thought I liked some of those more that were coming out at the time than Rogue One. Um, I think it was just right after Force Awakens. So I was like, I was pumped on Force Awakens. This one, I was like, yeah, that was good. That was pretty good. But then I think you purchased the Blu-ray for me. Uh, maybe for my birthday or something. Something like and that. And you're like, dude, you got to watch it again. Yeah. And that second time I watched it, man, oh man, did I fall in love with this thing. Yeah. It's a really, really tight script. I find yeah. it very rewatchable. I've probably seen it, probably seen it 10 times. I actually That's... haven't had it on repeat for three years. Well, you have. I'm, you I'm only, sorry like, for lying. You only sorry for watched lying about it that. 10 times. <laughs> I want to apologize for lying right off the top, <laughs> but I've seen it 10 times. Yeah. I think it's the best looking Star Wars movie there is. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. stunning, stunning yeah. movie. Don't you think? Uh, yeah, it looks amazing, Tim. I agree. I think I was agreeing. Say something you great that, about yeah. how, how great it looks. Yeah, it's um, so, like I want to hear big, that big like out. bombastic words about how visually incredible um stunning how few other movies have even achieved <clears throat> the glory that this movie has achieved visually say something like that yeah well I, you just used bombastic and that was a good one that was a good word <laughs> uh, can we work that in somehow to how it looks it looks bombastic i don't know it's a great word um yeah it, it looks amazing i think that's the first thing that stood out that's what you kind of told me you're like pay, pay attention to how it looks it looks it looks great this star wars movie looks awesome and it does like the some of these shots these super wide shots of planets oh yeah and it's like where the hell are we how are these shots happening they're incredible outside the planets down at planet level you know just like the different colors the different wide shots all this and like how it looks like a star wars movie you know like i liked solo um the last one we covered i that, that, i was a big fan of it um but solo like tells you it's a star wars movie this movie shows you it's a star wars movie you know like all the things that you look and see all over the place these little hints all over it just looks like a star wars movie it's so good well done dean that was great you didn't even have to use bombastic and that was a great great explanation thank you for that <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome this movie was released in 2016 with a budget of $220 million. And Rogue One grosses just over $1 billion. A billion? 
A billion, Tim. One billion dollars? I think this is the highest grossing movie we've covered. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Maybe Avengers, Avengers was higher. Avengers? The Maybe? Avengers? The Avengers? Marvel's The Avengers? Don't know, though. I don't know if don't that know. movie Can't even remember. grossed a billion dollars. I'd say no. I I, I want to say this is our highest. This is something we can look at, look at in our wrap-up episode where we go back and talk about stuff from uh, these episodes that we didn't get to touch on or we uh, made notes on and wanted to circle back on. Yeah. Okay, and that's on our Patreon. And it's only $2 a month for that. Oh, what a that's great like deal. That's like half of a coffee. Yeah, we'll, we'll even... Google that live. You'll you'll hear us oh, type it out and search to, it. Okay. Let me, let me make a note. I'm going to Google that live. Yeah. Google it live. It's a fun thing. <laughs> it's fun to learn while we learn. This movie was directed by Gareth Edwards. This guy hasn't actually done all that much. I think he gets like the job for Rogue One based upon the movie he did before Rogue One, which is Godzilla. He did it two years earlier. He only has four movies to his directing credits. Really? Yep. Name them. Do you have them? Name them. Godzilla. And then I've never heard of the others. Is that good enough? I guess so. Yeah. That's another thing to Google on the on the wrap-up show. It's another thing to Google is Gareth Edwards movies. Because in my head, I didn't actually, I don't actually know. I couldn't name you what Gareth Edwards movies are. But in my head, he was like, a really big director. Like when I heard, oh, Gareth Edwards is going to be directing Rogue One. I was like, wow, they got a big name there. But maybe I just, maybe I just have him confused with somebody. Or maybe I, yeah, maybe, I don't know. That was the, maybe that was the feeling around it. But I don't, I didn't really know. Yeah, I don't know, Holy man. Smokes. Like I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, oh, Gareth Edwards. That sounds cool. But maybe it's one of these false memories where you're like, oh, this guy's going to direct a Star Wars movie? He must have done a ton of other cool shit. He must yeah. be an awesome director, Gareth Edwards. But no, he's like, he's kind of a nobody. That's wild. I feel like this is the Mandela effect right now. I feel, I feel like in another universe, Gareth Edwards was huge, huge before this movie. And I used to live in that universe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know yeah, what to tell wild. you. Wild. Okay. This is news to me. I mean, I, like, I, like I said, I wouldn't have been able to name you any of his movies, but I would have like said, oh, yeah, he's a big director. Everybody knows him. But like you, like you said, that Godzilla. I mean, Godzilla looks great. So maybe he just gets it right off of that. Well, yeah, like Godzilla is a pretty big movie, right? But I, I think that yeah. he did that. And then he they gave him this one, I guess. I don't know. Like, I guess that must have been like a visually a pretty stunning movie. And they thought, hey, sure. let's give yeah. this guy, a, give him a chance, right? I like cool. that they gave this guy a chance. I like that it didn't have to be some gigantic, well-known director. Because look what this guy did. He just, he hit this one out of the park. It's beautiful. It's so good looking. It is. It it's is ridiculously so good, looking. good looking. No kidding. The cinematography done by Greg Frazier. And he worked on Let Me In, Killing Them Softly, Zero Dark Thirty, Recently, he worked on Dune and The Batman, and he also did uh, a few episodes of The Mandalorian. Wow, nice. Yeah, so no wonder the cinematography is so good. Yeah, no kidding. Dune? Ever yeah. heard of it? Ever heard of it? Visually? Dune? Stunning. 
Yeah. The Batman. Haven't seen it yet. Haven't seen it yet. Probably going to go out on a limb and say it looks bombastic. Oh, it does. If anything, it looks bombastic. Mandalorian looks great. Oh, yeah. It looks great. Music. The only Star Wars film not to be scored by John Williams. Yeah. The music in this movie fucking rocks. Oh, of course. That This is the weird thing. I think this guy, Michael uh, Giacchino, Giacchino, I think he, this is what I think happens. He gets the job. He outsources John Williams to do the music secretly. No, Tim. And and then it's, so we're actually listening to John Williams music. It's so good. It's so good. You don't think that happened? No, I, I love this guy. This guy's amazing. Tim, Tim, this guy's the lost guy. Yeah. He did all the music in Lost. Which is amazing music. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it's great music. He also worked on Let Me In with Greg Frazier, the cinematographer. Dean, he did Mission Impossible 3. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. Star Trek 2009. Yeah, he's an Abrams guy. I think he won an Academy Award for Up, movie Up. He did the music for Doctor Strange, Spider-Man Homecoming, Far From Home, and No Way Home. He scored the Batman and is currently working on Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, heck yeah, man. I love this guy. This guy rules. Yeah, let's give this guy a hug. Yeah. Hug him. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, Tim, we haven't given a hug out in maybe in over a year. I want a five-way hug. You, me, the director, (laughs) Gareth Edwards, the cinematographer, Greg Frazier, and the uh, music man, Michael Giacchino. Okay. What about the writer? The writer's out of the hug? I didn't talk about the writer. Okay. Okay. So yeah, he's not in it. No. He's not in the hug. Okay, sorry. Here. Okay. You want to... Let's go a little bit further with music by Michael. He was a late addition to the movie and only had four and a half weeks to compose the music for the film. Wow. He included some of the famous John Williams clips. Like obviously the Death Star motif is in this movie. The Imperial March is in the movie. The classic like Star Wars theme is in it. Um, but for me, man, I think this is one of the better scores in the franchise. Yeah. I'll probably get in trouble for saying that the nerds are going to send me emails. Well, I love you nerds. I'm a nerd too. Don't be offended, but I'm going to get emails for saying that. But listen, I think it's true. I'll put this movie score up against any of the others. I'll probably lose to some of the originals, but I'll probably beat the majority of the Star Wars films in the franchise. Yeah. Listen, John Williams is the man. I think he does all the other ones. I think he does every single other one except this one, which is really weird. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. What's that all about? I think maybe they were like going for the, oh, but it's like not going to be a Star Wars movie. You know, it's, it's, it's Rogue One, a Star Wars story. You know, it's going to, it's not going to be in the start. They don't start with the, you know, the Star Wars music at the top. So they're like, let's get someone else to do the music. Maybe that's what they thought. But then they brought him back for Solo. Yeah, because maybe at that maybe for Solo they're like never mind. <laughs> I don't know. Their Solo seems like it was a lot of trouble in production, so I don't know. Um, yes, I think this guy's really cool, uh, Michael. I think it's amazing that he's just does scores like every single episode of Lost. So he's an ABC guy, which is a Disney Disney's channel, and then now he's just like on every huge massive movie because disney makes all the huge massive movies so he just worked his way up to now just be like one of the best uh composers in movies it's amazing i love this guy yeah i love him too now dean let's do a little bit of listener feedback 
Oh Dang, yeah, these cool. are always fun, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're gonna shout out to our buddy of the show, Carl. He sent us a YouTube video where this guy is explaining how all of the movie names in the Skywalker saga are in the wrong order. And this guy has reordered them so they make more sense. So I'm going to read you this guy's list. Okay. I don't really know what you mean. Okay. So he's taken the nine names yeah. of the Star Wars films, the, the, the Skywalker saga, he thinks, oh, okay. of the names he thinks of the movies. based okay. upon okay. what happens in the movies, the name is all incorrect. He's rearranged them and explained why his rearranging makes more sense. Oh, I love it. Okay, I love it. Episode one. We meet Anakin Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Great. Episode, I already love it, Tim. Episode love two. It. Years later, we learn that Palpatine, the leader of the Sith, has ordered an army to destroy the Jedi. Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Episode three. Order 66 happens and the clones attack. Attack of the clones. Yep. Episode four. Obi-Wan teaches Luke that it's time for the Jedi to return. Return of the Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) Episode five. Yoda teaches Luke how to use the Force. The Force Awakens. Uh, I already know what this one's called. Sorry, I just got ahead of myself. I had to say that. (laughs) Settle down, Dean. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Episode six. Both Yoda and Anakin die, which makes Luke the last Jedi. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Episode seven. After the Empire is destroyed, a new Empire comes. The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Episode 8. Luke trains Rey, then sacrifices himself to give the Resistance a new hope. Episode 9. Palpatine returns from the dead, making him the Phantom Menace. Wow. I love that. I think that's a lot of fun. I think that is so good. I think that is a ton of fun. That's amazing. Those are those are the right titles. <laughs> okay. That guy did so a, fun. He did a great That's job so, with that. I thought they were going to include these movies too, no. and I thought Rogue One was going to be a new hope. Oh, no. Just the uh, Skywalker saga. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Carl, thanks for uh, passing that along. That was a lot of fun. We appreciate it. So fun. Now, great opening scene. To this movie, Dean. Mm-hmm. Have I mentioned this movie is visually stunning? Uh, yes, once or oh, twice. Okay, because it starts here, and it's basically visually stunning. We yeah. see this little shuttle flying through space, and they did something really cool here. They tease a star destroyer by yeah. cutting the rings of this planet into the shape of a V very deliberately. I thought it was pretty neat. And totally. every time I watch this movie, I think a Star Destroyer is coming. Definitely. Yeah, I, 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 it fooled me this time. That's exactly what I thought was, was happening. Is exactly what I thought was coming. Uh, the shuttle heads towards the planet, then into the atmosphere and down to the ground level where it lands. And we meet some of the main players in the movie here. We meet Jin, Galen, and Lyra Urso, along with Director Krennic. Yes. And dude, Krennic is in all white and he walks up to Galen with his jet black dark trooper troop. It looks amazing. It's, it's I love so stunning. 
I love that he's in all doll white. I yeah. think that uh, it, it's it's an interesting choice, like to to just have the villain show up in the first time you see him on screen in all white, but it looks so good. Uh, in contrast with those blacks, also the planet is has a, is just like this black dirt stuff. Yeah. Like it's it's kind of like dirt and mud. Like I feel like I can feel it and smell it like that's how good it looks i'm like where are we with this planet rules we're somewhere we're not just on a set like i feel like we're somewhere yeah they land their ship so far away yeah this is this is really interesting like i find it kind of wild like the the flex that this is they land a mile away and then they just walk for a mile to get to galen it must have been so terrifying for Galen just standing oh, yeah. there waiting for them to come. And he actually, yeah. after a while, he starts to like make his way out and he meets them. Like he doesn't even wait for them anymore. But yeah, why do they land a mile away and then just I walk? I don't know. I think yeah. it's just it's just for terror value. It's to intimidate. Yeah, they're all about intimidation. Um, and just a killer opening uh scene with these two because like uh ben mendelson and mads mickelson are incredible yeah. and like they're just crushing in the whole movie but in this scene it's so good you can are like i'm already so invested totally. i have no idea who these two are and i'm just i want to know what the outcome is like i love a cold open where i'm like thrown into the middle of it but what makes it even better is that they're just so good that i'm totally invested in them right away yeah it's it's amazing i yeah. really really like this open Krennic is basically there to take them all back to the Empire, where Galen will continue his work creating the Death Star, and none of them want to go. Lyra comes running out of hiding, and she shoots Krennic, and subsequently gets shot and killed herself, and then Galen gets taken away, but Jin is able to hide until she's rescued by Saw Gerrera. So, lots of fun. Really, really high stakes right off the bat. Lots of different characters to kind of like align yourself with. And you sort of, I I sort of aligned obviously with like Galen and Jin because I felt bad that the mother gets killed. But Krennic and his troopers look so cool that I don't even mind that he's this bad guy doing bad things. I'm like, that's cool. I want to see more of it. Oh, totally. That's what Mendelssohn's so good at, is just being like this slimy guy that you just want to watch. Like, you just want to watch him on screen. He's so good as as Krennic here. Like, I, I want him. I want him in, in all the scenes. Like, I just want to be yeah. watching him, even though he's probably going to be doing bad things to the characters I like. Um, so good. I, what I would really like about this uh, opening part is a really subtle thing, but it's another thing where um, I say like this movie kind of shows you it's Star Wars um, instead of telling you it's Star Wars. And uh, it's with the, the Stormtrooper doll. It's like one of the one of the black troopers picks up a doll that was in the home, like just a, or maybe even like a toy, not a doll, but like picks up like a kind of a little toy off the ground and it's a Stormtrooper. Yeah. And it's like I had that toy, you know, like I had a Stormtrooper toy. It just like really feels like it's not only it's not only like star wars but it also takes me back takes me back to the original trilogy because like that's what i had from that movie um so yeah i just love that part yeah well that also shows that the empire is using propaganda within totally 
within its system, right? Because they had previously been at the empire, like been part of the empire, which is probably where she got that doll because they're probably wanting to recruit her eventually as a stormtrooper, so or or higher. Totally. So yeah, yeah well, nice and touch. you you can tell from the beginning that Galen like doesn't really want to do this, so he's like a guy doing working for the empire doesn't want to do it and like he's the one who has the doll in his home so it's yeah it's just this interesting thing like is that it does he have it in his home to like um keep up the you know keep up the facade that he is in, with the empire is it just for show is it because they push the yeah they, they like make sure you have stuff in your home I, like i don't know it's just it's a very small interesting thing i think it's the only doll she has yeah that, that's probably true so you go ahead and try to take away her only doll. Yeah. I mean, it's a good looking doll. It's a good doll. Yeah, it's fine. It's a stormtrooper. Yeah. They look cool. They do look cool. We meet Cassian Andor. And while I loved the first scene of the movie, this is the scene of the movie that sets the tone for me. This is yep. what gets me really excited about this film. Mm-hmm. Andor meets a fellow resistance fighter who tells him an Imperial pilot was sent with the message by Galen Erso that the Empire is making a planet-killing weapon. And when it looks like this other guy might get caught, Andor kills him. Yep. That really hit me. That the Rebellion is in such dire times that they'll do whatever it takes to survive including killing one of their own. Yeah. I thought it was great character building for Andor. I think they build his character the best out of anybody else in the movie. And this was the start of it. And I loved it. Just the fact that he kills this guy. I was like, oh, we're in for something different in this movie. I've never really seen this before in a Star Wars film. Yeah, exactly. We've been following uh, in the original trilogy. We follow the rebellion. You know, it's like that's they are a rebellion like we cheer for them because we know that the empire is this big evil thing but like they're a rebellion so they're probably doing dirty stuff like at certain certain points in order to get to the place they need to get to you know it's it's not just good and evil you know it's not in the in the prequels it is a little bit good and evil even though the characters are crossing the lines you know the characters are going a little bit towards each side but this is just like setting the tone that like just because they were the good guys doesn't mean they're always going to do what you think is a good thing and a good decision i think it's a great tone setter for the whole movie yeah and they, something sorry something that hasn't been explored yet right they really leaned yeah. into it in this movie too like i, I yeah. thought it was a lot of fun in solo and I mentioned it on that episode where yeah. we were kind of viewing the movie from the side of the bad guys because Enfy's Nest appears to be a bad person in the movie, but is actually the good person. And it's all because the perspective we're given. Well, what we get here is the perspective that, look, the rebels are probably doing things equally as awful as the Empire at times because yeah. they need to do whatever they can do to keep going. And that means yep. doing some terrible things. And there's people on the side of the rebels who have to do terrible things to like get the information and, and not get caught. And yeah, you know, we mentioned it. We haven't seen that before and we see it here and it really yep. hit me. It really got me. I, I liked it. Totally. We meet up with Jin, who's older now and has been captured and she's being taken to an Imperial labor camp. But she's freed by the rebels, including K2SO, a reprogrammed Imperial droid. 
and they take her to Yavin 4, to the rebel base where she's questioned about her father. And the rebels, including Andor, want to use Jin to get face-to-face with Saw Gerrera, who's holding this defected pilot who brought the message. And after a really great interrogation scene, Jin finally agrees to help. So she's sent with Andor and K2SO to Jeddah, where Saw Gerrera is. Yeah, right. Yeah, I I like this uh, this breakout. It's pretty cool. Um, just the whole, like, you know, kind of breaking her out of prison to get her with the rebels and then interrogating her. This whole thing, uh, you quickly figure out where she stands, you know, where, where her... Uh, what she's been going through for the last 15 years, you kind of just get it right away um, because she she hates her father because her father went back to work on the Death, Death Star. So she does not like him. She thinks he's a bad guy. She would rather that he be dead. Um, she thinks that he just left her and yeah, to, to go work on the Death Star. And then she hasn't seen Saw Gerrera in forever. And like, that's what we last saw. We saw that Saw Gerrera, you know, saved her out of that bunker why hasn't she seen him in forever? So this is, it's a really good setup for Jin. I, I'm already, like I've said with all these characters, they, they can get me on board immediately. I'm immediately on board with Jin. I know where she's at. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's a good, it's a good uh, little quick setup to get right back into the action. Yeah. And they, sh- they showed us that she's really tough as well. She oh, yeah. took out like three or four rebels who were coming to rescue her and then only got stopped yeah. by K2SO. Yeah. Very cool that she was, being rescued and she was beating them up to try to just escape like she doesn't she didn't really well, she, know why they were she, there she, yeah she didn't know she was being rescued that could have been no someone i know else trying yeah to she her. didn't yeah she exactly so she's just like beat them up and tried to escape out she's yeah yeah she's very tough they're basically letting us know she is all alone she has nobody she can't trust anybody the people in her life that she loved uh seemingly abandoned her so she's just left with nothing i can't even imagine yeah. like what she was feeling yeah, I know. And uh, shout out to Felicity Jones. Like, just the this movie just keeps hitting with just heavy-handed actors. Like, they're so good. These are the best of the best. Yeah, well, 100%. Yeah. This is the... Oh, man. All around, this might be the best cast Star Wars film. I, I It might be. Like, I like, would like to around. revisit that and look at that, but it might be. I liked a lot of the people in Solo, but like everybody here is killing it. Like some people don't really, I, I don't think some people in Solo really get their, uh, their character. Some do, some really nail it, but, um, this is, everyone here is so fucking good. Like everyone here is so solid. Yeah. I think we might run into a bit of trouble in the, uh, original trilogy, but maybe, maybe we can define at that time, like what makes them so good, because I'll tell you what, like the actors and actresses in those films they're cast perfectly, but they're not as powerful actors and actresses as the people in this movie. So it yeah. pops way more in this movie because they're way better actors and actresses. Yeah. You have like, well, we'll get to it, but you have like Riz Ahmed in this movie who is like, I don't know, probably seventh, eighth, ninth build. And he's like an Oscar nominee. Yeah. Like that's how deep this is. That's how deep this cast is. Yeah. Yeah. And he does a great job. He's amazing. He's incredible. He's the pilot. He is the pilot. Bodhi. We get to see the Death Star for the first time. And in my opinion, 
taking the other movies into consideration, this is the best they've ever done at showing how massive the Death Star is. Obviously, yep. it has to do with like the ability of the special effects at the time of this movie. But my goodness, the Death Star has looked larger than I've ever seen it before. It was yep. so imposing. And they really did a great job of making the Death Star terrifying. Oh, it yeah. It was a terrifying presence in this movie. Yeah, as it should be. They did such a good job of showing the new of the Death Star, like how it looks uh, like like that, like like showing us how big it is and and how we should like how imposing it is. But it also has a lot of throwbacks to like how we're used to seeing it look and how we're used to seeing everyone control it and everything. Yep. Like they're still doing the exact same controls yep. on it as we saw in the other movie, which I thought was just so cool. It's mm-hmm. just it's such a perfect package for us to like see this big thing, but also like, oh yeah, that's how they do it. That's how they work it. Yep. Yep. Good point. On the Death Star, we see a 3D version of Governor Tarkin uh, meeting with director Krennic, and Tarkin wants an immediate test of the weapon. Now, this is a great relationship in the movie between these two. It is so much fun. They both want the recognition for the success of the Death Star, and they both don't like each other. I love it. It's such a fun idea. So Jin, Andor, and K2SO, they land on Jeddah. And, dude, I love this landing sequence. I don't know what it is. It's not a very long sequence, 10 or 15 seconds, but I always take notice when it happens. I just think it's so neat. Yeah. Just the way the ship lands, kind of where it lands. Um, It gets lost behind a rock for a second, which is totally something you don't have to do. That just makes the animation tougher. Like, don't have a rock there, and it's so much easier, but they put a rock there so they make it disappear. Everything just looks so great. I always love that scene, and I don't even know why. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, And and, um, we're with, like, a... a We're with a group that we already like. You know, we like everyone in this group, so... um, I'm also just excited for them to land, you know, like it's such a good landing scene, but I'm also just like, I just want to see what they're going to do. I want to see like where they're going and they do a cool thing where they come out of the ship and then they all kind of, you know, huddle up, kind of perch while they're looking down at what they need to do. And another thing where it's just like a very wide shot of like this entire city and they're looking from the outside and it's, it looks so good. It's such, it's such a perfect looking thing. And at this point, K2SO is hilarious. He's, he's Uh, told a bunch of jokes already and we love him. He's hilarious. Yeah. Start to finish. He's hilarious. Jeddah is occupied by the empire and they are mining Kyber crystal, uh, which they need to power the death star. Andor and Jin leave K2 with the ship because they don't think he'll blend in, even though he's an Imperial droid and the city is under Imperial occupation. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, it seems like he'll like, blend why can't, the why most. Can't he yeah. yeah, he would he would blend in the most. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's I think it's a funny joke that he can't stop like his new programming, like his new yeah. silly programming. Yeah. That's what's not gonna blend in. Sure. Like machine wise, he'll blend in. But as soon as anybody asks him a question, he's so goofy and silly that his cover will be blown right away. Totally. Yeah. And he'll just like have none of it from anyone. Right. He'll just. Yeah. As soon as he as soon as he talks, it's going to be over. (laughs) Yeah. Now, we spend a good amount of time on Jedi here, Dean, uh, as Jin and Andor are trying to find Saw Gerrera and Saw's group. They're called the Partisans. They attack 
some Imperial troops and all hell breaks loose. Now, what did you think of like this scene in the movie here? Great. This is um, another thing where it just feels like Star Wars. I'm probably going to say that a lot, but it just feels a lot like Star Wars. Just the area we are in this, this whole city, uh, because everywhere you look, you just kind of see something that reminds you of a new hope. You know, it sees something that reminds you of those, that original trilogy and kind of throws you back, even though you're with your new characters. Uh, I like that they kind of introduce this whole, um, we haven't talked about it really, but this, this whole, uh, like pr- protectors of the Jedi temple sort of thing, like keepers of the text, stuff like that. Like, um, I, I think that's a cool idea to introduce since we're, we're not really going to be in a movie that has Jedi, you know, the, the, the Jedi are gone. So, um, what kind of connection to the force are we going to have in this movie? And, and this is a really cool one. This is a really unique one. So while this fight's going down, um, you see Jin, you see again, like Jin and uh, Cassian, you see them just jump into action. Like Jin is just immediately jumping into action, like just grabs a gun, having fun kind of with it and uh, blasting, you know, saving kids that, you know, Cassian doesn't want her to do that because that's not, you know, that that kid puts her in danger, saving that kid. So you you kind of see a little bit of uh, uh, Jin's heart in this fight where we've already seen sort of Cassian has that hard edge or he's just going to do what it takes. So, you know, that separates those two a bit. Um, it's it's a great fight. I, I really um, I really enjoy the battle, the kind of small battle in, in the middle of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, we meet uh, Chirrut and Baze. They're like yeah. the protectors of the temple. Uh, or at least Chirrut was. I'm not sure if Baze was, but Baze is now his friend. Um, but Cool characters. Very cool. Chirrut was a protector of the temple. Yeah. And now that the temple's basically gone because the Empire has taken over, he doesn't have a job to do, but he still just kind of hangs out. He's just like yeah, there. He has nothing <laughs> yeah. else to do. Yeah. But yeah, Jeddah, the planet of Jeddah is like, um, it, it was like a holy place for Jedi to visit. Obviously, the the Jedi use kyber crystals to power their lightsaber, and um, to get their kyber crystals, it's almost like they go on like um a bit of a journey, like a internal or like religious experience or something to like get the kyber crystal. It kind of like it almost calls for them. Like you can't, the Jedi don't just go and grab a kyber crystal. They kind of have to find the one that's almost calling to them. Yeah. So this was a place that they would go to and do that. And now obviously since the Jedi have all been killed uh, and the empire needs the crystal, they've just taken over. I love the imagery of the smashed gigantic Jedi um, like monument. That's just lying face down in the dust. So very impactful. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I, I just thought that was a really cool inclusion of the Jedi in this movie. Yeah. And, and, uh, Chirrut is, uh, he's blind, but he's sort of tapped into the force and, uh, that allows him to be an incredible fighter, um, to sort of predict where, uh, people might be going, shots might be coming from, um, and also, uh, his, his kind of sidekick Baze has this incredible gun that comes with a backpack. Any gun that comes with a backpack, you know, that thing's powerful. It's a good gun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good gun. Chirrut He's got this staff. He's blind. He's got this staff and he uses the force to kind of like sense things. Yeah. His staff is made of wood, 
but the handle is made of like silver, like a lightsaber would be made of. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. On this watching, I think he has a kyber crystal in that. Oh, yeah. We don't get to see it, but that's where the kyber crystals are, is in like the handle of the Jedi lightsaber. Totally. I think he's got one in his staff. Totally. Oh, man. I love that. I love that. That's so true. Now, Saw's group, the partisans, capture all of them, and they lock them all up, except for Jin, who's taken to meet Saw. And Saw's a really neat character. Uh, So cool. I like him. I like his relationship with Jin in this movie. Like, yeah, he freed her as a kid. Like, we're so happy to see her get freed, and it's him. But then we learn that he dumped her on a planet when she was 16. But when Jin meets him here... He's telling her, like, I did that to save your life. Like, your name was going to get you killed, and I had to leave you. And Mm -hmm. it killed me to do it, but I had no choice. You know, he was feeling as much pain as she was that he had to do it. You know, it's a, it was, it was good character building. It was good redemption for that, for him in that moment to say something like that, to kind of get us back on board with him. Yeah, it's 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 just hammers home again what this movie's going for is that you have sometimes you have to make t- tough decisions and they may not look good to an outsider. You know, to yeah. someone looking in, it may not look very good, but you did it for your at least your reasons, or, which you hope are the right reasons. Um, I just wanted to say, I saw Guerrera is incredible. Like uh, Forrest Whitaker, this performance might be the most sort of wild performance in all of Star Wars. Maybe, maybe just what he's. What he's going for is so great. All I want to see cool. is this Academy Award winner on stage doing this or on the screen doing this. This is this voice is so fun. It's 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 awesome. Yeah, his voice, the way he delivers his lines. Oh, the way he delivers. <laughs> Best of all, yeah, the pauses, the pauses he yeah. has. Yeah. Are you here? Yeah. To kill me? Yeah. <laughs> so good. Nice. Damn, he's good. <laughs> yeah. He's so paranoid now though yeah like you can tell that years of war along with whatever he's breathing in from that gas mask yeah. is starting to get to him and he thinks Jin is there to kill him he's so yeah. paranoid he thinks she's there to kill him uh, but he shows her the message from her father and in that message Galen explains he knew that the Empire would create the Death Star with or without him so by helping create it, he could at least lay the groundwork for his revenge. He's placed a weakness deep within the system. If they hit the reactor module, the whole thing will blow. But they need the Death Star plans from Scarif in order to find where that reactor is. And it's a very, very touching moment as this message is being played. Galen is absolutely pouring his heart out here. He says he misses his wife. He misses Jin. He doesn't even know if she's going to see this message, but he's saying it anyways. And Jin uh, starts crying here. And this was just really, really great movie editing because the whole time Galen's message is playing, they're cutting back and forth from Krennic and Tarkin, getting the Death Star ready to fire on them. Yep. It made it so intense. Yeah. It was just beautifully done. Man, what a it's, scene. It's such a good scene. It's I honestly I cry at it every time. And it's this movie has a lot of power in the relationship between um 
Galen and Jin. Uh, it's like, it's like kind of the core of the movie, this father daughter relationship. And she hates him so much. And we, we, we've already heard that we've already heard, okay, what we know about Jenna, she hates her father. Um, but it's because of one reason, like she hates him because of one thing that he's working with the empire. And so seeing this message completely breaks her down because it was not true. All that was not true. So even though it's like you, you, how could you be mad at someone for 15 years and then instantly forgive them? It's because that thing you were mad at, that one thing you were holding on to turned out not to be true and turned out that he did that because he loved you. You thought he didn't love you. It's the opposite. He did it yeah. because he loved you. So it just hits her so hard. Um, that's why it always gets me in this scene. We haven't even seen Felicity Jones or Mad Mickelson on screen yet together. And they kind of aren't even here. They're not even talking to each other. And it's still so powerful because that's how much power the movie has in their relationship. It's it's yeah. great. Yeah, in the relationship and the performances. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So powerful. So yeah. powerful. So the Death Star fires on Jeddah and the ground starts shooting upwards. It looks like a tidal wave of land is coming yeah. towards them instead scary. of water. Very yeah. scary. K2 is able to pick up Cassian Chirrut, Baze, the pilot, and Jin just in time. I mean, just in time. Very, very tense action sequence. Yeah. Saw Gerrera has had enough, though. He doesn't want to fight anymore. He doesn't want to go with them. Uh, he doesn't try to escape or anything, and he is killed. Now, Tarkin is very impressed by the weapon, and he says he'll be taking over the weapon he thought of. <laughs> the one that he thought of. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because there was a security breach with Krennic's team. Uh-huh. I like that. So obviously Tarkin yeah. wants this weapon, but he can't just step over Krennic, right? He he would yeah. need a reason to do so, but he has one because he knows that there was a security leak. Right. So this is his opportunity to kind of take this weapon over. If yeah. things go right. Totally. This does not make uh, Krennic very happy. He's he's very Krennic upset at this. Very upset. Very upset. Uh, I like how Tarkin looks. At first. I, I do as well. Yeah. So I will say at first, when you first see him, you're like, your eyes are like, that is not a person. I know that that is computer graphics. And uh, it doesn't look like a person. Good try, but it doesn't look like a person. Honestly, after that first scene, I completely forget. By the time we're back here, I'm just like, totally have taken it that it's a person. I don't even think about it anymore. Like, it's just, I, I think it works. I think it's a little a little jarring at first. And then after that, I forget about it. And I think it works. I'm totally fine with it. Like, yeah. I've always like been a fan of computer graphics and animation yeah. and stuff like that. Um, This is mind, it's mind boggling in a way. Totally. Like, yeah. effects have come so far that... This movie, their effects are already outdated. Like, they're already doing better stuff in The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba with Luke. That looks way better. That's It's different technology. But what they did in Rogue One, if you had seen that 10 years earlier, it would have blown your mind. You would oh, have yeah, understood sure. how they did that. It would have looked yeah. so great. When it, yeah, when it came out, I thought it was really, really good. Can you tell that it's not him? Well, yeah, because he's fucking dead. So obviously your brain already calculates this guy doesn't exist. So this must be a computer 
simulation yeah. of him. So it's kind of the model's kind of already at a disadvantage because you're not even considering that it might be real. Yeah. But then it totally works. It totally works right after that. Yeah. I've never had yeah. a problem with it. The yeah. first time I saw it, I was like, this looks incredible. Like, great job. Uh, it's really, 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 really close to looking perfect. Yeah. I thought Leia actually looks better. Um, maybe it's because they don't do as much with her. They don't have her talking so much. Yeah. But, I mean, just great. I thought great, great effects with these people who have passed away and they brought back for the movie. And yeah. hats off to the estates who allowed these you know, these deceased people to be represented in the movie. I think that's totally. really cool. Probably yeah. hard for them to watch, but really, really made for, you know, a better movie because these characters were allowed to be in them. Totally. Agreed. Yeah. It, it does make for a better movie because these, these characters are in them for sure. I guess Princess Leia wasn't dead at this point, but obviously she wasn't young anymore. Right. So they, they had to make her yeah. young. So I didn't, I don't think they had like the de-aging thing as down no. as they, in the Marvel movies as they do now. Yeah. So it was probably easier to get Carrie Fisher to say, yeah, sure. Go ahead and do that. Um, yeah. But, but still, still, yeah. it, was, it was good. Now, another great scene here at an Imperial landing platform, way up on a cliff in the pouring rain. Now this is where Galen and his team have been working on the Death Star and Krennic shows up to chat about the security leak. And he gets Galen to confess that it's him. And then Krennic kills Galen's entire staff. The Andor group are there because Andor now has plans from the rebellion to kill Galen. Mm -hmm. And then also a rebel squadron has been deployed and they attack the installation. So there's a lot going on here. It's lots of fun. It's visually stunning. That's my term for this episode visually yeah. stunning yeah um what did you think about this scene uh i uh yeah all the things you said obviously great scene I, like this movie moves because oh, hell like yeah. from scene to scene to scene i'm just so into it that i by the time i'm like two hours in or an hour 50 in, i'm like whoa how did i get here um but uh this scene has so much to it like there's so much visually going on but there's so much tension because uh cassian and Jin came here together like Cassian's leading this mission he is keeping to himself that he's supposed to kill Galen he's not telling anyone that because that is Jin's father and she just realized that he isn't an asshole that he's been doing this for his family so she wants to find him and reunite and Cassian wants to kill him so Cassian's sort of lying to everyone sneaking around and then ends up getting a sniper on him um, so it's, it's a lot of ten, a lot of tension going on. I like that Cassian has the moment to shoot him and doesn't. So we have a little moment for Cassian because so far we, we are unsure. Like we, all we've seen him do is kill somebody when he had to, like, that's the only thing we've really seen. Uh, so we've I have seen like... him killed a friend. We've seen him kill a friend, a friend. and now he's yeah. got a, a gun targeted on a yeah. foe. Yeah. So I like that he doesn't pull the trigger. Um, just for him, like for his character to give it a of little, course. to give his character a little bit something there. Yeah. Um, to which when he goes back to the ship, he is upset about because he disobeyed an order. So he's very upset with himself that he disobeyed an order, but he sort of, I don't know, Jin's been kind of getting to him, you know? So he, uh, he didn't want to just execute her father. Um, so yeah, it's, and again, like with what you said with Krennic, um, basically saying if, if, 
if the engineers don't come forward who the traitor is, I'll just kill you all. And then Galen comes forward and says, oh, it was me. And he kills them all anyways. Like, yeah, it's great. All this, there's there's great action that's going to be happening, but also there's every single thing that happens just gives us more for a character. Yeah. And so like we either hate someone more or we start to like someone more. We understand these little nuances with them more and more and more. Yeah, 100%. Chirrut had a cool line um, after Andor went out because Andor kind of went off on his own and, and Jin and Chirrut and Baze were supposed to stay at the ship. And after Andor goes out, Chirrut says something like, does he have the face of a killer? I think Baze says no. He's got the face of a friend. And then there, Jin's very interested. Like, why would you ask that? And then Chirrut says... Something like, because the dark side is very close to a being who's about to kill. And, yeah. he, and he sensed it. He sensed yeah. that Andor was going out to kill. Uh, I thought that was really neat. So that helps us, you know, understand that he was going to kill Galen. Yeah. But at the last minute, it's something with his relationship with Jin, where there's been enough, like, trust going on where he's willing to give her the benefit of the doubt here. And they shot it really well because he's about to shoot. He's got the shot and he lets off the trigger and kind of like takes a breath in. Like, you know what? He's like, I think I might not be doing the right thing. And right after that, he sees Krennic like punch Galen down. And at that moment he would realize, oh, something's going on there. Jin might be right about this. Like why would Krennic be punching Galen in the face? Yeah. So I think he immediately gets, it immediately works out for him because he sees yeah. like, I'm, I made the right choice by not shooting. I made the right choice. So I thought that was, I thought that was good. Um, none of that really matters though, because the rebel fleet comes in and bombs the platform and they kill Galen. Yeah. Right. The bombers kill him, but it was a really, really sweet moment, really, really sweet scene because Jin had made her way to the platform and she's able to hold Galen in her arms as he's dying. And yeah. the, the two of them just get this like last moment together where it's like a moment of forgiveness for both of them. They both uh, like realize, like in that moment, they realize that... Um, you know, Galen understands that Jin knows why he did it, you know, so there's this great moment where there would have, where he knows that there was, you know, hostility before that, or there may have been, or there could have been because of what he was doing. And so like, as soon as he finds out that, you know, she's, she knows why he did it. She knows why he, um, you know, left her and it was to protect her. He just says like, I have so much I want to tell you. And that kind of line just kind of broke me. Like, all he wants to do is share his life. Like, what has he been doing? He's only been working on the Death Star yeah. <laughs> with no family around, but he has so much to tell her. He has no, so much to share with her. He wants to share so much. Oh, man, that just like absolutely broke me. Such a great line. Um, yeah. yeah. There's... I mean, sh- I think share is a great word because it's probably probably more about like his feelings rather than yeah. what he's been doing, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's, yeah, so it's 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 uh, very sad um at this part that galen is now galen is now dead Jin got to just talk to him for a little bit um before uh yeah before that that before he died and and died by 
the hands of the rebels, like the rebels came and bombed them. So uh, again, it's just, I, I think it's uh, pointing out like maybe um, the dangers of even undercover missions, you know, things like that, where you're doing things against the side that you're fighting for. And if not everyone is aware of it, if not everyone knows about it, you're in danger. You're in danger all the time. What do you mean? Well, he's, so Galen, like, is working for the Empire. Yeah. But he's actually doing things, like, for the Rebellion, but they don't know, you know? So when he comes to them and says, like, he came to them with these plans for the Death Star that he built in that they could destroy it, and they're like, no, he works for the Empire. This is a trap. This is a trick. Let's kill him. They just want to kill him. Like, they actually want to kill him, not because he has secrets to tell, because they think he's lying to them. And so they they want to kill him, and, and he ends up dying because nobody really knows. Nobody really trusts him because he's been working on the other side. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Yeah. And and Jin here obviously blames Cassian for the death of her father. Yeah. Like it's a really, it's another really great story moment because Andor had the chance to do it, but he didn't. But he's still partially responsible because he didn't tell the rebels the information he knew about Galen. He didn't tell them what Jin had told him about the message. Yeah. Right. He he didn't believe it, so he's he could have stopped it. He had the chance to stop it, but he didn't. So, but I I love his his intensity as he's defending himself here. It's a great moment for him because he's saying he's very very intense. He's like mm -hmm. probably the most intense he is in this entire movie is in this moment. Where he's saying he's been fighting since he was six, and Jin isn't the only person who's lost everything. Yeah, like he's like, I have nothing. I don't even owe you an explanation, but I will give you one, and it's that I've probably been through more than you've been through. So, you know, don't worry about it. I, I yeah, really, has, I really like that. It. Go ahead. He says something about like. Um... Some of us don't have the luxury to decide when we care about the cause because like Jin has now, she didn't care at the beginning at all about the rebellion, but now right. she's totally in on it. So I just, again, like that too, it just shows you like he's been in this thing and he like, he doesn't care if you jump on the bandwagon and want to fight with the rebels now. He's been in it so long. This is such a hard decision for him. Yeah, it's been his life. Uh, it's been I, his life. Yeah. I do think he feels bad in this moment though. As tough a soldier as he is, I think he realized he made a mistake here. And I think he feels bad. Yeah. I think yeah. that the reason he got so heated was because he's being defensive. I would agree with you. Yeah, I would agree with you in that moment. And uh, yeah, great. Just a great scene from, uh, what's it, Diego Luna? Diego, I think his name yeah, is. Luna. Great scene from him. Oh, he's, he's also amazing. incredible. Amazing. Yeah. I don't know who I like the most. Yeah, the, I know. The, the, the performances all incredible yeah felicity jones is probably the most visually stunning of them uh, all yeah for sure yeah k2 he's pretty visually stunning as well he is visually stunning i mean diego luna himself is pretty visually stunning. so is he too. yeah there's, there's another character that comes up later who's also very visually stunning We'll get there, though. Very true, Tim. We'll very get let's get there. Let's get There's there. There's lots already. of visually stunning people in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the movie. That's the, what the movie is about. Yeah, I nailed it. It's it's visually stunning. Everything about it. Everything. Yeah. Even the music is visually stunning. Even the music somehow is visually even the music. Stunning. That's it how is. good that guy is. It is. And it's very funny because we're we're right here, Dean. We're at the moment. Hell yes. In a real pleasant twist. 
we head to Mustafar, my favorite Star Wars planet. I just love, <laughs> I love any time I see Vader's castle. It looks yeah. so great in this movie. It looks so oh, good. Oh man, it looks so good. You would live in that castle, wouldn't oh, you? Oh, dude, 100%. With, like, yeah. no questions asked. No questions oh. asked. I would love to come over and play video games there with you. Oh, it'd be the best. It's so be good. I feel like Vader likes to take reminders with him about things. Uh, I kind of mentioned it before where he unfortunately used his force choke the very first time on Padme. And I feel like he brought that along with him as a reminder as, as to like what he's done. And yeah. this is another thing. I love the fact that he takes up base on Mustafar, which I yeah. think is a really strong reminder to him of why he's physically become what he's become. I think, I think it's interesting. And I think there's something to that. Yes, I think it is very interesting. I like to think he hates himself. I would like to think mm, that. Yeah, And that's if he hates himself, then I really like this type of stuff too. You know, I like that, yeah, my base is going to be where I became Vader. I'm going to use yeah. this force choke because, I, yeah, it reminds me, like, even though I'm displaying power in a moment, it reminds me of how, what I did. You know, that I'm not a great person. I'm a bad person. Um I that's, like where he, to think, that's where he gets his power from too, right? Is the it's hate. His hate, yeah. If he can totally. motivate the yeah. hate, he's more powerful. Yeah. yeah. So I I mean, we talked about internal he internalizes all those all those emotions. I think that hate is there. I think that hate is towards himself. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Now Krennic is visiting Vader because he wants recognition for the Death Star. And Vader <laughs> is not impressed with this visit. No. <laughs> not the type of visit that Vader needs to be like <laughs> paying attention to. And no. Krennic interrupts him when he's in his tank too. It's like, <laughs> oh, sorry, Lord Vader. Director Krennic is here. Can you come out of your isolation tank? It's like, it's so funny. Fucking Krennic. What a loser. This it's guy. so funny. Like when you put it that way, that he's just like, he's doing, he's chilling in his tank. He's doing his thing. He has to get out of that thing. He has to get in the yeah, suit. Yeah, to get in his suit. Walk out. Yeah. And Krennic is like, Tarkin's trying to steal the Death Star. Yeah, he's like a three-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still in charge, right? Am I still the, am I still the one in charge of the Death Star? Oh, man. Oh. I loved it. It's <laughs> um, so good. What I really loved is how much info Vader already has about the current events. Like, he yeah. basically knows everything that we know in the movie so far. Yeah. He knows about Galen. He knows about the leak. He knows about the uprising on Jeddah. I just thought it was all very cool. Yeah. I, I like that they don't show us anything about it. Obviously, Vader would know all this information. And yeah, I just yeah. thought it was so cool. He tells Krennic that Krennic better ensure Galen Erso didn't compromise the weapon in any way. Krennic wants to make sure he's still in charge of the project and Vader force chokes him and tells him to be careful not to choke on his aspirations. This was a line lots of people didn't like, myself included, the first time I saw it. But then when I like went back and thought about it, this line really works for me if I picture Anakin saying it because this is something Anakin would say. With oh, his yeah. sense of humor. And I like to believe that it shows me that there's a little bit of Anakin behind the mask still. Totally. That's why I like the line. 
I don't like it as as like the dark Darth Vader saying it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is still kind of fresh, right? Like like Anakin's still kind of freshly Darth Vader. I think there's still some Anakin there. Like when Anakin becomes Darth Vader and he's talking to the Emperor in Revenge of the Sith, he still sounds like Anakin. You know, he's like, Yeah, you know, where is Padme? How is she? Is she okay? Like I like to think that maybe his progression from Anakin to Darth Vader wasn't just like as soon as the helmet got put on. It it maybe took some time. And by the time we get to Jedi, um, maybe a lot or Empire even, maybe a lot of it is gone. Yeah. He he's not showing any of it, but there still is some. Like obviously there still is some. But I like in this moment, I think it's more obvious that there is Anakin behind the mask. Amazing. Yeah. Great point. That is I can totally hear Anakin saying that to Obi-Wan or something as like a little joke or something like that. Like totally could have been in one of those movies. Yeah. Now back on Yavin four, the rebel council is meeting about this new weapon, the death star. Like, what are we going to do? Oh, we're doomed. Oh no. Uh, Jin has a really motivating plea to the council here. My father gave his life so that we may have a chance to defeat this. So you've told us. If the Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? What chance do we have? The question is what choice? Run, hide, plead for mercy, scatter your forces. You give way to an enemy this evil with this much power, and you condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission. The time to fight is now. Yes. Every moment you waste is another step closer to the ashes of Jeddah. What is she proposing? Just let the girl speak. Send your best troops to Scarif. Send the rebel fleet if you have to. You need to capture the Death Star plans if there's any hope of destroying it. Great speech. The Council can't all agree on what to do, so they can't decide to go. It has to be unanimous or they don't go. Not unanimous, so they don't go. A small group of soldiers, led by Andor, agree with Jin. And they want to go. And Andor says he's been fighting so hard for so long, he couldn't live with himself if he gave up now. So that's the plan. This small group of soldiers is going to go to this heavily defended Imperial base and steal the Death Star plans. It's a very, very ambitious plan. Very and ambitious. I love that K2 says to Jin here, he says, don't worry. He'll be there for her. Cassian said he had to. Yeah. One great. of my favorite lines from him. So good. He has so many good lines. It's beautiful. That's... So many. And I'm not going to so... bring them up because it's really hard to convey the like the comedy of that character yeah. just by saying no. his lines. But I like that one the best. I thought it was just... That one is delivered at such perfect timing. Yeah. Uh, it's just really good. But yeah. Alan Tudyk. Uh, just like... Uh what's what's the word um titanic voice actor like Ooh, the guy's nice the guy yeah. is the best you know the guy does he's in everything you can't even tell it's him it's like yeah he he obviously does a great job but you can't tell it you can't tell it's him yeah he's just he's he's incredible incredible voice actor yeah so they head off to scarif Jin motivates the troops along the way another riveting speech by her her speeches are rules. so motivating. Yeah, this yes. one does rule. And, and what I really like about it is 
she says we're gonna take the next chance or something like yeah. that she's gonna she's like we're gonna take the the first chance and then we're gonna take the next chance and we're gonna go until we win or we run out of chances yeah it's not beautiful. we die but until we run out of chance it gets me every time it fucking rules it does yeah yeah so we get this final battle sequence which basically goes on for 45 minutes of runtime. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. incredible. It's so <laughs> it's, good. It's amazing. <laughs> you have Andor, Jin, and K2 inside the installation, and they're trying to steal the plans. And then everyone else is on the outside, sabotaging equipment and making it look like there's like an army attacking when there's only like 15 or 20 guys. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Um, Krennic has also made his way to Scarif because he needs to search through every message Galen has ever sent to make sure there's no security breach. I love yeah. I love that Vader sends him to do grunt work. Totally. Yeah. I love it. Yes, and I, I love that Krennic is a kind of there just by chance. Like in in he's sort of always in the same area as the heroes are throughout the movie. Just kind of he you know he's he's on their track. You know he's he's investigating the same thing. Even though he doesn't really know where they are, he's kind of just ending up in the same area. But like this one is just like <laughs> completely by chance. Vader sent him there to do this grunt work, and he just happens to be there. Yeah, it's great. It is great. And oh man, this like. Uh, shield, um, you know, like gate shield thing to get into the planet is the is so cool. So cool. It's the fucking best. I mean, Scarif, Scarif in general, dude, this is the most beautiful location I've ever seen in a Star Wars movie. Next to Mustafar, yeah. mind you. And then, yeah, like it's such an important installation for the Empire that the entire planet is yeah. covered in a force field. We've never yeah. seen that before. How do you cover an entire planet in a force field with maybe just one gate. Do you know what, it lo you know how it looked Dean? Incredible. Visually stunning. Visually stunning. Bombastically <laughs> stunning. <laughs> That's how you use the word, right? <laughs> yeah. You used it well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nice. So the rebel base Dean at Yavin four picks up an Imperial transmission saying that they're under attack by rebels because of this message. Mon Mothma decides to join in the fight. I love how pumped Mon Mothma is about this. But wait, wait. What? What? A few hours ago. Yeah. It wasn't worth going. <laughs> I know. The council didn't agree. But now that 20 soldiers are there, let's do it? Yeah. I don't get this. I don't get this part of the movie. Okay. So to me, this is like where it has to be unanimous when they were trying to decide earlier, it had to be unanimous. She didn't really give a side. I don't think, I think she was just sort of, she was, they were already out. Well, it has to be unanimous. So yeah, it doesn't matter. They, there were already people saying they don't want to do it. So since it has to be unanimous, it's already the votes over. They're not doing it. Yeah. So the, the yeah, no, no, I know like the, 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 it has to be unanimous. It's not, they're not doing it. Uh, so they've already just, they've decided that, but then when they get the call in that it's already underway, it's almost like the percentages shift, you know, it's like now that we are already doing it, it might be the best to send what we can to help them instead of just letting them die there. Like if they've, if they're receiving the transmissions, it's like they've already gotten further than what they thought, you know, they, maybe they've already, they've already gotten into the planet. They're already on the planet. You know, they're already creating chaos on the planet. Maybe 
maybe they did enough that now the percentages are in their favor and we can send everybody and actually make an impact. I, I like it. I like how excited she gets just hearing that they've they've done it and they've gone like at least so far. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get that. Maybe, you know, the only reason they do it is because the transmission is that the base is under attack. So they've somehow yeah. made it into the shield. That doesn't mean the rest of them are going to get past the shields. Um, maybe the counselors who like voted against it have left. Maybe they're not yeah. there anymore to like vote on the new information. It would have been way better in that moment just to like have Mon Mothma decide it's worth it. It would have been such a better moment if she's the one that just says, you know what? We just have to go with this. Yeah. And I don't believe that they would vote as a council. And then two hours later or one hour later, she would just go against what the council voted on just because some people went out against their orders. Yeah. What Would it change your mind if... um like what they were going to do is either fight or surrender. So they decided they're going to surrender. Like they are now going the rebel, the rebellion. That's what Jin says before they go off. They're going to now give up and surrender. And that's why Cassian is like, no, I'm not giving up. I did so many horrible things for this rebellion that I'm going to go do it. So that's why they go. So maybe is it that because they're there, they now have a reason to keep fighting so that they won't surrender. I don't know. It could they be don't, something though. to do with that too. They could just let those 15 people die. Let those 15 people do what they're doing and die because they went against orders. I don't, I don't buy it either. Yeah. This is what I need out of the movie. Either let Jin's argument convince them. I don't like that though, because I like the fact that Andor and the ragtag crew For join sure. up with her, For but sure. then make it a decision like by Mon Mothma then saying, Right. Saying maybe they don't maybe they don't learn about the attack from the Empire. Maybe yeah. someone like in the rebels says, Oh, like when they do the whole Rogue One thing, like the, the pilots and and Jin and Andor and all, all the soldiers, they get on the ship and they steal a ship and they do this like, Oh, who are, what are you doing in a stolen ship? What's your call name? And he's like, We're Rogue One. You're, like, You're not supposed to be in that ship. And then they just take off and leave. Yeah. Maybe that moment, let Mon Mothma come out and say, like, look, someone has gone. I think we've made the wrong choice. Let's go, too. Yeah. I need something like that. I, I, I yeah. don't like that she responds only when she finds out from the Empire that they're under attack by some people. It just did, it didn't work for me. It, it never yeah. worked for me. Every time I watch it, it doesn't work for me. I, I don't know. It's my, it's my beef with the movie. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. Now, great battle on the surface of Scarif. There's AT-ATs walking around. There's soldiers fighting stormtroopers. Some X-Wings have managed to make it past the shielding. Really, really fun battle here. Um, and now there's obviously a lot to unfold in this last 45 minutes. So what I want to do is just focus on some of the key moments. Cool. First off, K2SO, who's been such a great character in this movie. He has to sacrifice himself to help Andor and Jin get a little bit further in the mission. And sad. I was very sad at this moment. I think I just yeah. about cried in the theater. Um, this is the saddest I've ever been for a droid in Star Wars. Like totally. this guy was a best friend. Very yeah. difficult moment. Best friend for sure. I definitely I definitely cried during this part. Um, and it's during this part where I'm like, oh shit. 
I don't know any of these characters from A New Hope. I'm like, yeah. Oh, they're all gonna die. I wasn't <laughs> like there it yet. isn't till it isn't till K2SO dies. You got there at K2SO. It, it took me way longer. I I was holding on for hope all the yeah. way to the end. Yeah. I was like, I, oh, we lost K2SO. That sucks. But he's a droid. Yeah. None of the humans. I think die. it's because. I think it's because as soon as he died, I was just like, man, that hurts so much. It would be, it would really suck if anyone else died. And then I thought, oh shit, they probably are going to. I was, I was too into it to even think about yeah. that. But yeah, this started a really nice trend of characters dying after they achieved their mission. Oh, so good. Yeah. K2 needed to lock, lock like yeah. his station down so that Jin and Ander could get a bit further. This, this is exactly what you were saying. It's like, yeah. let's use our chances until our chances are up. And yeah. each step along the way, each character who dies gives them one more chance. Gives them one more chance. It's totally. beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Amazing. Oh, each character gives them one more chance. Amazing. Next up is Chirrut. He hears a call from Bodhi, the pilot, needing a master switch activated. And Chirrut's able to activate the switch, but then he's killed. Uh, another like incredibly sad moment that comes like a couple minutes after that. Mm-hmm. He's just like, just, oh man, the, the visual of him walking with his staff down, just yeah. saying his line. You know, yeah. we all know the line he says. I don't yeah. need to say it. We all know what it is. He's just walking. The lasers can't hit him, right? Yeah. The force is probably pushing them out of the way. Probably. He he gets to the switch and pulls it. And he's so pleased, right? And then I think in that moment of like joy, he maybe let his guard down a little bit and he gets maybe he gets shot. He gets shot. Yeah. But with that Or he's like or he's like not needed anymore. You know, like he's done his like he he said, he's done his job, so the force isn't protecting him as much anymore, maybe something like that. Yeah. With the master switch activated, Bodhi the pilot can now send the message to the rebel fleet that they need to take the shield down. Yes. Right? That's the next step, is that shield has to come down so they can send the message. Then Bodhi's blown up. Yeah. As soon as he sends his message. Now, Andor had already told us that Bodhi needs to stay with his ship because the ship is their only way off the planet. Right. So when that ship blows up, that's foreshadowing for sure. Yeah. Now, after seeing the ship explode in the distance, Baze rages in anger. And he basically takes out all of the dark troopers. Such an imposing force in this movie. Yeah. And he basically takes them all out by himself. Yeah. He's just out in the open, but with his like backpack gun blasting. Yeah. So they, uh, or one of like the dark troopers in his last like dying breath, throws a grenade. Mm. It lands near Bay's. It blows up. But there's this really nice moment of calm right before he dies. And they even show like a fraction of a second of the explosion happening and him kind of like taking the impact, but it's so yeah. so quick. Yeah. But it was just enough to show you like the violence of the explosion. Yeah, for sure. Next, the rebel fleet needs to destroy the shield surrounding the planet amazing action here they use this little ship called a hammerhead to push a disabled star destroyer right through another star destroyer causing it to fall into the shield 
generator obliterating the shield. Hell yes. There is something so satisfying oh, yeah. about watching this little hammerhead dig its way into the side of the Star Destroyer yeah. and then start to move it and push it. I just loved it. It felt oh, so yeah. great. And I thought this was very symbolic of this overall mission, like this little underdog going yeah, totally. up against this gigantic Imperial ship and being able to overpower it and kind of force its will, force its hand. Like you're Yeah. Totally. And as the Star Destroyer, you just see that little thing coming at you and be like, okay, whatever. You yeah, know, that's <laughs> like, gonna that thing's gonna thing's gonna bounce off of us, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's awesome that it like steers it into the other one. They both go crashing down. They look uh, again, looks awesome, looks so good. This fight in the air is looks incredible. Um, like we said, it everything does. Ships arriving and stopping out of light speed is so cool. It just like the amount, the speed they enter, and then just like boom, full on stop right into the battle. Looks so fucking cool. They just stop dead right in front of the planet. Stop dead. Boom. They're flying. Stop dead. Start shooting. Ugh. Gets me pumped, Tim. Yeah. Good battle. Great battle. I mean, classic Star Wars battle on the ground, battle in the air. Like, so good. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot And of like fun. that they have to kind of work together. You know, like that's something that uh, we saw in the very first Phantom Menace movie. You know, like stuff in space matters for the stuff that's going on on the ground. Yeah, they did it so well here. Like... Switches needed to be activated. Things needed to be plugged in. Messages needed to be sent. Oh, it was so intense. Yeah, on it, like you you said it, but like the the fact that they were being blocked, their signal was being blocked, and they needed to actually tell the ships up there what to do. They had to tell the ships that they had to break the, the shield. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to transmit anything. Such a cool small moment that felt very real. Like, we need to be able to tell them what to do because otherwise they're just going to be fighting up there and we can never get the, the information out of here. Yep. Yeah, the planet was on lockdown. They can't get so any good. messages yeah. out. But if the shields can come down, then they can transmit the message. It's Yeah. yeah. It's very Great. cool. Now, Jin and Andor, they have the Death Star plans. They found it under the codename Stardust, which was Galen's nickname for Jin. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Krennic finds them and is shooting at them. And Andor takes a huge fall. He might be dead. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Jin makes it to the tower where she can transmit the plans. But Krennic catches her. Krennic thinks he's won. But Andor shoots him down. And great moments where after they transmit the plans here, I love that Andor had to like hold Jin back from attacking Krennic. Yeah. Who's unconscious here. But it just showed you like how much disdain that Jin has for him. And of course, like Krennic basically ruined her and her family's life. For sure. Yeah. I it was a very powerful moment. That one kind of yeah. catches me every time. She's so mad at him. Blames yeah. everything on this little this little dude in his white little suit. This little weasel. Can I have another red square button to put on my vest? <laughs> Tarkin has eight. Can I have nine? When if I have nine red squares on my vest <laughs> uh, i love those little squares yeah they're cool 
They're cool. They're cool. You know, it's status. You know, it, it conveys yeah, status. And, and the more you cool have, with, the better. And the the I think the deeper the color, the better. Yeah, it's cool. With, it's cool with Krennic because he starts off with a certain amount of reds. And then when you see him next, he's got reds and blues. He's leveled up. He's leveled up. Yeah, he's powering he's up. leveled up. Yeah. yeah. If you can survive an encounter with Vader, you get a couple blue ones. You get He tosses you a blue on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> Collect your blue oh, on the way yeah. out. Vader didn't kill you. Here you go. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Very good. They've transmitted the plans, Dean. Against all odds, they've somehow pulled it off. You knew better, but I thought there was still time for a bit of a happy ending. But no. The Death Star appears out of hyperspace, controlled by Tarkin, and he's targeting the base on Scarif. And this is just straight up amazing. I didn't think this was going to happen. But what a great moment, because in Tarkin's mind, he can get rid of the rebel threat and Krennic at the same time. Oh, just yeah, Just by for blowing sure. up the base. Yeah, like it's a good move. Best way to keep the Death Star safe. Yep. Krennic lives just long enough. He gets up. You know, he's been out cold here. He gets yeah. up just <laughs> in time to see the Death Star, like the on Death the horizon Star. of the planet. Yeah. He sees it, and he sees it fire on them. Yeah. What a great moment. What yeah, a great idea was... to keep him alive. Like, not to have so Andor kill him, not to have Jin kill him. Tarkin kills him. It's so good because when he shot the Death Star um, on Jeddah, he's like, oh, beautiful. You know, he's like, he's looking <laughs> at the destruction from the top and like how vast it was and how wide it spread. And he just said, ah, oh, you know, beautiful sight. So now he gets to see it from the other end. He gets to see it from the planet shooting at him. Not so beautiful. It really is amazing storytelling. Yeah. Tying the story like that tightly together really impresses me. I really, really oh, yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. So we see Jin and Cassian on the beach. They're watching a giant wall of fire come towards them. Cassian tells Jin that Galen would have been proud of her. They hold hands and they're destroyed by the blast yeah yeah man powerful moment man i didn't totally. i didn't think that was gonna happen yeah that was actually not the original ending for the movie they were gonna let Jin and cassian live and oh they, they, they switched it later on and i yeah 100 agree with the choice i think this movie needs them dying yeah um because it was un unexpected for me i, I didn't yeah. think it was gonna happen i love when movies do the unexpected when I think they won't do something and they do. And yeah. this was, this was that moment. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to add this kind of, uh, uh, this kind of thing to the, you know, the, the, what the rebellion's been through. So when we get to a new hope, we know what they've been through up to this point. We know what people will do for the rebellion, for the cause. It's, uh, it's nice to see. Well, sure. That's a great point too. We're like, you watch a new hope, and you learn about these Death Star plans and they make a passing comment about, oh, you know, we lost a lot of people trying to get these. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't mean anything to us. Right. We need to see it. So they show yeah. it to us here. They show us like the grittiness of what went on to get these plans, like how important yeah. it was to get them. And not just that we lost people, but look at the people we lost. Yeah. Look how heroic all of these people were. Every single one of these people on this Rogue One squad 
could have gone on to do amazing things in the Star Wars universe. Any For one sure. of them could have been in future movies. You know, Andor could have been teamed up with Han Solo. K2SO yep. could have been teamed Definitely. up with with Luke. All of them are, you know, powerful enough characters that they could have continued on, but it took them. It took the power of their group just to pull off this one mission and then they all died. Yeah, they're they're major players in the rebellion. Like Cassian yeah. is a major player that they lost in this mission. But it makes sense, right? Like they they yeah, went to uh one of the most heavily guarded imperial bases in yeah. the galaxy. Like suicide mission. You don't just walk in and take yeah, yeah. exactly. Suicide mission. Yeah. Yeah. Now Vader has arrived. I love his his entry. He hyperspaces in and then rebel ships are flying and they just crash into where he shows up. Oh, it's so good, Tim. They don't even know that anything's going to be there. No. I feel like he did that on purpose. It's a great yeah. play. They have like, they're out. They did what they needed to do. They're getting out of there. They're like, all right, we, we did it. Victory. Let's get out. And he just goes, boom, flying in and they're just hitting it, bouncing off him. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Dang. He is in pursuit of the ship that received the transmission from the surface and enter one of the best moments of any Star Wars film for me. Vader boards that ship. The alarm is ringing. It's, just, it's piercing. Over and over again. The door starts to get dark. You can't see, but you can hear it open. Black smoke precedes him. Then he lights his Sith red lightsaber and proceeds Dean to utterly crush the weak rebels to get back the Death Star plans. This is just a glorious display of power. And he gets so close to getting these plans back. Like, I can't even believe how close he gets. Yeah. But he doesn't get them. They ultimately make their way to none other than Princess Leia in an amazing moment. Uh, I can't believe how perfectly they set up a new hope with this movie. Yeah. Leia is there waiting for the plans because Bail Organa sent for her earlier. Earlier in this movie, I really liked that. Like oh, it yeah. wasn't just the ending where they set a new hope up. It happens actually an hour earlier where Mon Mothma was talking to Bail Organa and uh, Mon Mothma makes some comment about like, we need, we need help. You know, and he's like, I know someone. And she's like, oh, your friend, uh, whoever. And it, it, yeah. They're alluding to Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I, blah, blah, blah. I worked with him before. And then Mon, Moth- Mon Mothma says, you're going to need someone you can trust to relay the message to him. Yeah. And Bale says, I trust her with my life. Yeah. Um. So he's clearly lining up Leia to give her the message to take to Obi-Wan. So. Yeah. And I like these two different... Um basically uh, ways that the guardians have protected the children. You know, we'll get to it in A New Hope, yeah. but uh, Obi-Wan's just kind of watching while... Um, Bail. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bail Organa. Bail Organa, Bail Organa is... Uh, he's kind of brought her into the fight. You know, he's not hiding her away. He's brought her into the fight. Um, I think that's really neat. Uh, I just wanted to talk about this Darth Vader point before we move on because uh, I also agree this is... Um, this uh, like right now for sure it's my favorite scene up until this point um i'll see as we travel on if it still is this is definitely my number one scene and it's because i love 
I love the Darth Vader arc so much. Um, and I love this movie so much. I love this movie so much because it is a relationship between a daughter and a father. And it's a relationship that was scarred. Um, and it's one that came together once they both realized, you know, who each other or once she realized who her father was. And then you have Vader being like absolutely kick ass, destroying everyone in this hallway. The biggest display of power we've seen out of him. And in the next room is his daughter he doesn't know exists. And I think that is so powerful to be in this movie that is about a father and daughter relationship that he's just kicking ass in this room and he doesn't even know that on the other side of that door is his daughter. He doesn't even know that. And I just love that. That's amazing. That's that's yeah. really, really cool. Yeah. yeah. So that makes it one of my favorite moments in all of the Star Wars movies. Nice pull. Yeah. yeah. Um, Vader's display of power, like... It was insane. There's this absolutely great moment where he's walking up to a door. The door's closed, but there's a guy in front of it. He sticks his yeah. lightsaber through the guy, through the door, and then force opens the door, and yes. his lightsaber slides through the guy and through the entire door. Like, he yes. doesn't move his lightsaber. He just lets the door open, but we're watching from the other side, and we can see that his lightsaber just goes all the way through the door as it opens. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was beautiful. So good. And his like, when he just like raises that guy up to the ceiling, like just with like making a fist, it's so awesome. There's like the, the, the way that the jerkiness of, uh, the, his use of the force, you know, how everyone moves so quickly when they're being affected by it and the guns fly towards them when they're being affected by it. I think it's just like very violent and powerful. This guy that he puts up there is in front of him. He puts mm -hmm. the guy up there, then continues fighting and progresses yeah. through the hallway. And as he progresses past this guy, then he lightsabers behind him and kills him. Yeah. And the guy <laughs> falls to the ground. It's not Amazing. even like, I'm going to put you up to the roof and kill you. And then you're dead. Yeah. He's like, he just holds him up there, fights other guys off, walks past him, then kills him. Amazing. Oh, man. So the rules, so good. man. But so good. Uh, Leia, gets, Leia gets this disc, right? And someone asks Leia what they've received. And Leia says, hope. And the end. Hell yeah. Great movie. Amazing movie. It's visually stunning. Dean. It's visually stunning. That's my that's words. Yeah. Yeah. That, I was searching for words there, Tim. Thank you for bailing me out there. Um, thank you. Visually stunning this one. Okay. It's time to rank our movies. Easy. Yeah. Totally easy. I mean, you just put this one ahead of everything else, right? Yeah. Well, so, you know, like those ladders you use to like those really big ladders you use to get onto your roof. So you put Rogue One at the top of the ladder, then oh, you okay. climb down the ladder, and then you put I Solo, put Revenge of the Sith, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. That's my order. I'll just say for now, it was a very hard decision until I watched Rogue One again for this podcast. Revenge mm -hmm. of the Sith was ahead of it. I was going to put Revenge of the Sith ahead. Okay. Yeah. Rogue One is ahead. I've got Rogue One, Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones. The Phantom Menace, and Solo. Cool. Fun stuff. Listen, everybody, if you like our podcast, we think you'll like all the other podcasts in the Blast From Our Past Network. Check them all out. Also, check out Dean's new podcast, Return Revenge Resurrection. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, everyone should check it out if you like horror. Yeah, if you like horror movies, check it out. Uh, him and our buddy Alex are running through horror franchises. It's very spooky. It's visually stunning so far. 
Yeah, thanks, Tim. Thank you. <laughs> also, please check out Talking Back on Patreon. There's exclusive content if you'd like to sign up. We've got a $2 level, a $5 level, and a $15 level that we don't want anybody to sign up for, but we just have it there. I dare you to sign up for it. We don't want you to. No, lots of fun, though. For, for a couple bucks a month, you can help support Talking Back. That goes a long way for us. We, we would really appreciate if you'd consider signing up as a patron. Um, it would it would help us help us out, help us keep the, the show going and improve the show, which is what we're really looking to do is improve the show, do more episodes, and Patreon allows us to, to do those bonus episodes. So thank you to all our patrons so far. And uh, if you're if you're looking for more content, please consider signing up. Dean, thanks for joining. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you next time. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. Thanks for listening to the episode, everybody. We wanted to let you know if you'd like to show your support for Talking Back, then please check out our Patreon page where you can join one of our membership tiers and unlock bonus episodes and more each and every month. Or you can check out our page at buymeacoffee.com slash talking back where you can make a one-time donation of any amount or feel free to leave a positive review for us on iTunes. All three options are great ways to show your support for the show. That's it. We're done.